now as we look at your word, as we think about our topic this morning. Lord, bless us, we pray, and open our hearts, Father, regardless of where we are this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I read a poem this week. Um, well, I think it's, not, well, it's actually not a poem. It's a, I don't know, I don't know what you call it. A bit of writing, that would do. Um, somebody once wrote, when, I, when as a child I laughed and wept, time crept. When as a youth I dreamed and talked, time walked. When I became a full-grown man, time ran. All right, you could join there. As later and later, as older I grew, time flew. Thank you. Soon I shall find while travelling on, time gone. Some of the most common phrases that we hear, or in fact we say to each other, are often complaints about how little time we have in life. You can often find people saying, "I don't have enough." time or someone will say oh you should do that and they're often rebutted with I wish I had time for that kind of thing you may have said that yourself a regular complaint is there are not enough hours in the day and I could do with a bit more time people speak often these days of being poor not in terms of money or possessions many people have got more of that than they know what to do with but many people talk about a poverty of time I haven't got enough of it This morning, however, isn't it true that God graciously gave every human being on the planet exactly the same amount? Some people, I read somewhere that people long for immortality but have absolutely no idea what to do on a rainy Sunday afternoon. You can find out today. Um, Here's a joke. Uh, The future, the present and the past walked into a cafe. Things got a little tense. All right, fair enough. Somebody once claimed I'm, a great, I'm great at multitasking. I can waste time, be unproductive, and procrastinate all at once. Um, I didn't say that, by the way. I was busy procrastinating. Anyway, um, but we wanted just to be thinking about how we use our time just for the next two weeks. And there's lots more. Well, there's a whole ton of stuff we could say, isn't there? So it's about just introducing it. Because many people seem to be spiraling downwards into the abyss of stress. And most people's solution to being stressed and not having enough time is summed up by the weirdest phrase I think I've ever heard in my entire life. I need to make more time. I need to make more time. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Let me put it like this. It's quite an odd thing to say. You can no more make time than you can saw your bathwater in half. You can no more... Well, it's not frozen, obviously. Um, I know someone's thinking, but if you freeze it, you can... You can no more make time than you can stand on a cloud. In fact, Arsenal have more chance of stopping their best players from joining their rivals than you have of creating one extra minute for your life. In fact, if you're an Arsenal supporter this one, I'm so sorry. Just gen- generically. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Never say never. Yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 6, verse 27, spoke of time. And he said this, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life, a single hour to all of your life, can you simply add one hour? No, you can't. That's after a whole section in Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus is challenging the crowd about what really they should be prioritizing, what they should be worrying about. Not clothes, not money, not food, but God and his kingdom. It's worth noting, isn't it, that when God made the world and the working week, he made it good. 
When God created the first seven days, he made every single one of them have 24 hours in it. And when God made it, it was just the right length. And we think, well, hang on, Lord. You know, if he'd made it 27.5 hours long, I'd have got all my tasks done. But when God made the world 24 days, 24 hours long, it was just the right, perfect amount of time for what God created us to do. God crafted that days, that, that length, perfectly and correctly. Time cannot be made, can it? You cannot make time. But what you can do is manage your time better. And actually, uh, someone who manages their time poorly often is at risk of um, health problems, marital issues, family breakdown, stress, and even death. How many people do you know, have you met or heard about, who have worked themselves to death? And what on earth for? Sometimes, perhaps, just that slightly bigger house. I'm reminded of Luke chapter 12, as I'm sure you are. Uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 16 to 21, where Jesus challenges the priorities of a world that's so often slightly skewiff in what he thinks is important. It says he told them, Jesus, this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I shall say to myself, you have plenty of grain for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. And then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. This morning, are you busting a gut for the wrong thing? Are you absolutely working yourself to an early grave for the wrong thing completely? There's nothing wrong with hard work, nothing wrong with having money, nothing wrong with a big house. There is nothing wrong with anything if you do it for the right reasons. But I'm constantly challenged by a friend of mine's dad, a guy called Hamish. He's sadly passed away now. But I remember meeting him at one of their family barbecues and he said to me, he told me a story of how he was offered a solid promotion when he used to, back when he worked, a solid promotion, lots more money, lots more responsibility, elevated up the old career ladder. And he was just, I thought there was someone in here. (laughs) And he was just about to take it when he counted the cost. Less time at home, more stress, and for him, less time to serve his God at his church. And he turned it down to the utter surprise of absolutely everybody. The reason he sticks in my mind is when he was telling me that story, I've never seen a more contented, happy-looking person. He was in his retirement, that might have helped. But he turned down the chance for bigger barns so that he could be rich toward God. And in retirement, he did not regret it. Over the next two weeks, we just want to think about time and its best use. And it would be really tempting this morning for me to go straight to practical solutions. This is how you can have a better working week. We could do this or we could do that. But this morning, we just want to talk about spirituality, spiritual, the spiritual side of time management. And I've been thinking about it this week, obviously, and about how we use our time and that spiritual side. And it just strikes me how so many people feel overworked, stressed, and concerned for the future. And there are even, and perhaps I shouldn't say this, there are even some of you here this morning who I personally worry about. 
Because I watch you under pressure. I see you stressed to the eyeballs through work and all sorts of things. And I worry for your health. I worry for your spiritual health, actually, as well. It occurs to me there must be a better way of living. Maybe you're thinking, of course it isn't. What do you know? You don't work up the city. No, I don't. But I know a God who makes certain promises that every worker, every person, regardless of what they do, can stand on. When God made this world, it occurred to me this week, he didn't make Adam and Eve live in a paradise where they could just chill out and do nothing for eternity. In fact, I remember at my granddad's funeral years ago, someone giving me what I thought was awful news when he said, you know, in heaven, we might have to work. And I thought, what? (laughs) I thought I was playing football for eternity. (laughs) Um, But I was quite disappointed by that. Because I was 18 at the time, I've been at work for two years since leaving school at 16, and the thought of doing that for 45 plus forever depressed me slightly. But when God made this earth, it wasn't just so that humanity could sit back and watch the telly and do nothing in this idyllic paradise. He made a bustling, busy world full of work, full of jobs. Adam and Eve had jobs, had work, and that would have been the same for all of us. Yet as God concludes making a busy, bustling world with work in it, when it was perfect, he was able to look at it and call it good. Something so many people are unable to do of their lives. How many people say, no, my life isn't good because I'm overworked and I'm stressed and I'm underpaid and all these sort of things. But when God made an equally busy world, he was able to call it good. And that must mean something to us. In fact, we should say that it actually became bad this world when the devil entered the story he comes in as a serpent adam and eve fall to temptation they take the fruit and sin enters the world death enters the world that's where death comes from and we're broken away from god that's what sin does and god's perfect order where work is good is now flipped upside down and work becomes this terrible thing that you're forced to do and the root cause actually of many of our stresses in our lives many of them are twofold Number one, when we deliberately sin against the king of kings. The Bible says there is no rest for the wicked. And that's strong language. But what it means is that when you just love your sin and hate your God, don't expect to be rested and content. Because the contentment that you think you have will be fleeting. Because the joy of the Lord doesn't come by sin. It comes by faith in Jesus Christ. The second reason that causes us stress is that when we follow an order for our lives that is the opposite to what God created. You see, you can't make time, can you? But you can manage it better. The Bible says you cannot serve both God and money. Many people serve money, then God. It's God, then money, if money at all. But we can't make time. We can actually allow God to inhabit the use of our time. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, that I have come to give them life and to give it in all its fullness. How many people here, you don't have to put your hand up, but how many people here feel they're not living life to the full? How many people do you know at work are just going through the motions, not really sure where this rat race will end? Life to the full starts not when you've got a particular amount in your bank account, you've been promoted to that position, you've got that house in that area. Fullness of life comes when God is put first. There's a famous recipe for rabbit stew. Let me just explain. I've never eaten rabbit stew in my life, and, and I never will. And, uh, and I probably shouldn't say this, but those of you that have, shame on you. How could you? You know, they're little, uh, you know, sorry, Maureen, but they're so cute. How can you possibly, you know, chop that, do that to it? Anyway. 
But there's a well-known rabbit stew recipe. <laughs> I think more might have followed. Anyway, and uh, it doesn't start with first prepare the veg. It doesn't start with get the pots and pans out. It doesn't start with turn the oven on. It doesn't even start with wash your hands. Do you know what it starts with? Something must know, almost. It starts with first catch the rabbit. <laughs> because actually what you do first and your priorities and your actions and everything affects second, third, fourth, and fifth, and sixth. What we do first affects everything else that comes next. The Bible tells us that God is above time. It tells us that he made time. It says that he's the sustainer of every single minute that ticks by. You think that clock ticks by just by accident? God is making sure every minute ticks over at exactly the right speed as the last second or the last minute or the last hour. He is infinite, whereas time is finite he is above all of it jesus says in matthew 6 verse 33 hang on says but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well all these things being clothes food and all the things that we worry about so much in essence what he's saying is worship god first worry second He's saying, get your priorities right. And that's the message over and over and over. When you consider the Ten Commandments, they don't start with, here's how you should be living. They start with, here's who you should be worshipping first. Number one of the Ten Commandments is, I am the, well, it starts with, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt, the land of the slaves. You shall have no other gods before me. Gods come in all shapes and sizes, by the way. They come in a form of... um, Things on the telly, things that you spend, whatever you spend your time on, that's your God. Whatever you give most of your time to, that is who you worship really. And don't say, I know you've got to go to work, I don't mean that sort of way. But whatever you give your energy and your priorities and your first love to is what you worship. And God says, have no other gods before me. I am number one in everything. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation for those who hate me and loving to a, and showing love to a thousand generations for those who keep um, sorry, who love me and keep my commandments. You should not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for I will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses my name. And in number four, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. The whole Ten Commandments hang on this authentic worship of God, Yahweh, in the Old Testament. In Psalm 33, verse 6, this is where I'm going to see if I can be quicker than David. Probably not, because got quite, they're coming thick and fast. Um, 33, verse 6, the psalmist says, The Lord loves righteousness and justice. No, that's wrong. Um, by the word of the Lord, there we are. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. The starry host, by the breath of his mouth. Matter, time, space were made by God. Time management, therefore, is about promoting God, not you back to number one he is above time two peter three tells us famously uh, that a, a, a minute is like a oh, let me do it properly i'm rushing getting overexcited. calm down i need a commercial hang on so two peter three verse eight do not forget this one thing dear friends with the lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day god is not slow in keeping his promise 
as some understand slowness. God is above time. For him, a million years is nothing. A second is nothing. It reminds me of a joke. I've probably told it to you before, but I'll do it again. Okay, a guy speaks to, to God, and he says to God, what's a million years like to you? Have you heard this? I've told it at least three times in the front. How can you not remember? Is that the same for everything I say? <laughs> and he says, what's a million years like to you? And God says, a million years is like a second to you. Says, wow. Lord, what's a million pound like to you? And he says, it's like a penny to you. And the man says, can I have one of your pennies? And God says, yeah, just a second. <laughs> anyway. Um, he is above time. He is the maker of it. And so we trust in God for use of our time. Psalm 139, verses 14, uh, sorry, verse 16. You can read it before I read it. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Just think about that. God knows every second that you've got left to live. He knew the moment you were going to be born. He knows the moment you're going to die. He knows every second. Why on earth do we plan without that person involved? Why would you not want him to be involved in your schedule or your, prom- or your decision-making or where you go to uni or where you don't go to uni or where you're going to retire to what house you go? Why is he not involved in inhabiting all those decisions if he knows when you're going to die? Why wouldn't you put him in that? Why wouldn't you put him first? King David in Psalm um, 31, when faced with uncertainty uh, and enemies, said these words. Hang on. I think I'm going to like an assistant to, uh, to find Bible verses for me. Hang on. Psalm 31. I know, I just can't turn around. I've got, it does my neck in. Uh, it says, but I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. So when he faces trouble, he says, you have my entire life. So help me and protect me and take me forward. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. I'm already there, David. Um, he says, says that in our hearts, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Actually, it's kind of the height of arrogance if you're a Christian to plan your life without asking God first. I'll just say that. That's something to think about. Better time management is first and foremost a spiritual exercise long before it becomes a practical one. Why? Because he is the author of time. He knows everything. He is everywhere. And when he is first, and this is a key, I think, he is then able to give rest to his busy people. Isaiah chapter 40, a well-known chapter in the book of Isaiah, verse 31, ends with these words. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Martin Luther, the famous reformer, not Martin Luther King, the one that came before, uh, said this, I have so much to do today that I shall spend three hours in prayer. Whereas we say sometimes, some of us occasionally, I have so much to do today. You're lucky if you get three minutes. Or I can't spare even three minutes for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Even though he is the author of every second you've got that day, we say, sorry, Lord, I can't come to you first because I've got to use your minutes for my stuff. When I get my stuff done, then I'm going to come back to you. But we never go back. 
In Exodus chapter 34, verse 21, when God is giving the Israelites their rules about how to live and how to live in a busy world with God at the center, they worked practically with a spiritual reason. It says, six days you shall labor, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, you shall rest even during plowing season and harvest, you must rest. Think about that. Even when there's all this stuff to pluck, have the day off and worship me. I wonder if we applied that principle to our own weeks, what our weeks would look like, what our hearts would look like. Even in busy times of prosperity, they're told to make time for God. I want to end with an illustration. Um, the table's full up, but I think I need a, a volunteer. Anybody? God bless you, Tim. Is that... Is, this is why no one sits in the first three rows, isn't it? It's not bad news. Um, when I did this at home, well, it's not, it's not difficult. You probably might want to stand me. Okay, so, you need like a third arm. That's fine. That works. No, that works. Okay. So, let me hold that first. That's empty. So, this is, imagine this is a bucket and not a, uh, cele- uh, a rip-off celebrations tin um, from Sainsbury's. So, this is you. This is me. Mom, take a little step back there, Tim. Thank you. So, this is you. And this is me. This is every single human being. You are a bucket. Don't take that offensively. <laughs> this bucket is empty. It's empty because there's nothing in it. You with me so far? It's not complicated, is it? Is that all right? We, we <laughs> a lot of you here this morning are running on empty. A lot of you were full up once, replenished, full of joy and lighthearted and just enjoying your life, enjoying work, enjoying retirement, enjoying the things you did. But somehow you became empty. And you know you're empty and this is how you know you're empty. Um, because you're irritable, you're snappy, you're unforgiving, you fall into sin far quicker than you know you should. Your spiritual life is the driest it's ever been since you first became a Christian. In fact, God seems like a distant friend, even an absent father. You know that when you're full up with good stuff, that your spiritual life is, is fresh and vibrant. You know that work is easier you're creative you're easygoing people actually want to be around you rather than finding reasons to spend time with other people um so how do you fill up your bucket how do you fill up your bucket that's a rhetorical question so let's see because actually you could fill up your bucket wrong one thing i should say i'm a bucket back <laughs> is some people actually are sometimes proud of their empty bucket and so i'm ever so stressed you know I work so hard, I haven't got time for anything. Some people almost see their empty bucket as a bit of a badge of honour. I haven't got time for anything. Their busyness and their stress almost as a sign that they've got some, um, I don't know, I've forgotten to talk to them, you know what I mean. Okay, so the problem with your empty bucket is most people will try and fill it up with some of the following things. They say, well, more family time, good. Family time is good, but we'll carry on. The bucket goes down a bit, doesn't it? Some people try and fill up their bucket with more holidays, a bit of travel, loving it. In Australia, they give you at least uh, three or four months off every couple of years. 
So you fill up your bucket with a bit of holiday time. Some people try and fill it up with um, pleasurable things. Going out, going clubbing, maybe having a, a bit of drink with your mates on a Friday night. People like Prosecco and hummus around here, don't they? And things like that. They like all those kinds of things. They like to fill up their bucket with everything that makes them good. And in of themselves, those things are all right. They're not terrible. <laughs> Sorry. Um, they're not bad. But correct me if I'm wrong. Do you not all have the same experience that most of us have? Is that after a while your bucket seems empty again. And so you, you think, okay, next year, three weeks off. I'll join the gym. I'll buy better clothes. But the problem is, apart from wanting to get to the toilet, um, <laughs> your bucket ends up empty again and again and again. Why? Because most human beings fill it with the wrong thing. The things that, I shouldn't have said that, sorry. Um, things that in of themselves aren't terrible, but were never designed to refresh you the way God can. What you need to do then is fill your bucket first. doesn't mean you don't put those other things in. I'm not saying that. But first, you must put in something that is not easy to leak. God. Worship. Reading your Bible. Having a quality, quiet time before you go to work, before you get up and do anything else. Fellowship with other Christians. Something that's going to enrich you. Where the Spirit of God can refresh you and get you on those eagle wings that make you soar up to the heavens. Fill up with those things first. And then put everything else in the same bucket. Because holidays, work, promotions, it's all good if God's first. It's just not good if he's last. And that is the challenge. And that's the spiritual side of time management. All of us must let... Sorry, Tim, you put it down. (laughs) But all of us simply, as a first starter, need to invite the King of Kings, into every minute of every single day. doesn't mean life will suddenly be breezy. It's always going to be hard work somewhere down the line. But if you let God in, he is then able to provide rest, even in the most stressful times. Next week we can elaborate, but that's a, a spiritual beginning on time management. Shall we pray? Lord God, we just want to lift up all these thoughts this morning. Father, some of us here perhaps just need to say sorry to you, Lord, because you've been knocking on that door to our heart, wanting to come in, and we have been pushing you out, Lord, chasing, perhaps some have been chasing that promotion, chasing that other opportunity, chasing whatever it might be, Father, things of the world. And Lord, maybe some here are are thinking that if they could just get to the top of the next mountain, the next hill, then Lord, the top of the next ladder, then their bucket will be full up. And they will finally feel that sense of contentment that they've been longing for for years. Father, I pray for any here who have got um, bad use of time. I pray for marriages in this room. I pray for families, Father. I pray for dads and mums who are under pressure and who have taken it out on their children. I pray that they would repent and they would change and they would just put the first thing first. Father, we have our children for such a short time and it's frightening when we think of it. And we pray, Lord, that we will put you first above all things because only you is able to give us rest. Give us rest, Lord, this week. I pray for all those who are under pressure at work, 
Father God, we pray that you would bless them. You would keep them. You would make their face shine upon them. I pray that you would fill their bucket up with your Holy Spirit so that when they're at work, they will be working with you, not on their own. Father, just bless every single person in this room, I pray. And may we manage our time, Father, because you have made all things good, even the 24 hours we have. Father God, may we put you first in all things. I pray this in Jesus' name.